So, Trent. So, Parth. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen you in the flesh in quite in quite some time. Quite some time. I'm going to be seeing but you tomorrow. You're looking nice. Am I at the screening for our classes? In- Indeed. Yes. Tomorrow, bright and early, 10 a.m. Maybe I'll sit not next to you, but near you in the general on the same row. Sounds close enough. Very nice. I, well, with all these uncertainties out of the way, I, there's something I want to ascertain, and it's you know, what have you been eating most recently? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, there are a few certainties in life. Um, some of them are that uh, Parth is going to do a Joker voice at least once per episode, and that Craft Services episodes come out every Sunday. Those things you can rely on. Ah. But what I had, yes, yes, uh, example A. Um, but I was laying in bed, and I was like, geez, am I hungry? But if I go pay for a meal, I'll just come back here and hate myself even more, no matter how delicious it is. So. I summoned the courage to make some spaghetti. Had a sliced apple with peanut butter on the side. What did you have? Yum, yum. Well, I had class from five to eight, got out a little bit late, came home. Yeah, with friend of, with friend of the show, Jackson Clark. That's true. Directing. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And um, fellow guest of the show, Alex Lane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To tune into our Spider-Man episode. Yes, please. If you want to hear Alex Lane's thoughts. Yeah, speaking of, we were just talking about uh, Parth has a project coming up, and he asked me to be, what was the word used? Head bit lead PA. I asked Trent to be assistant camera, and he is woefully um, abusing the position of power I gave him. Yeah, Parth said he I can pull focus and get everyone lunch, so really appreciate that responsibility. Yeah, anytime, bro. But anyways, I had class. I came home a little bit late. My roommates, my roommate Chloe had cooked a little bit of chicken and rice, left a bit for me. I had it. And then I rushed over here so that we could record this episode. Did I not, Trent? Yeah. And speaking of, you have a hard out tonight at 945 because you're going to see a film tonight. A film that I am very excited to see. Tell the people. While I was having dinner, my roommates and I were like, what if we watched a film? We were like, oh, what's it playing? A friend of the show, Chloe Ditloff, tune into our King of Sun Island discussion. It's true. And then um, we were like, oh, what's playing at the RU Cinema? And it's Halloween Kills. And I've not seen Halloween 2018. It's the grand premiere tonight. You haven't even seen 2018? Nope. And it's, and it's considered good. I've, I've heard. By, critic, by critics and fans alike. Wow, you sound like you're really repping this movie. Hmm. Yeah, I'm <clears throat> nervous because uh, I was told... Uh, that it's gotten only negative reviews so far, so I'm trying to keep my head up. But yeah. I like that the structure, seemingly from the trailer, which gave away too much, is the same relationship between Halloween and Halloween 2, in that kind of like takes place on the same night, but I guess it doesn't matter to you because you haven't seen, I haven't even seen Halloween it. 2018. But I am going to see it at 10.30, and that's only on the basis that we finished this fucking episode. So with that said... Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we can talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. Last week, who did we talk with? Last week, we interviewed production designer Inbal Weinberg. And, about what film? Uh, 
Oh, about her work on Suspiria, the 2018 remake by Luca <clears throat> Guadagnino, director of Call Me By Your Name. I hate to say I've been abusing this expression, but with Inball, we we balled out. We did. We did. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, what's the term, fucking awesome? Uh, dope is what I was going to say. Oh, that's fair. And Or a grand old time. But, you know, all of these apply. Yeah, we're just a grand old party over here. Um, do you see what I did there? Sure, yeah. It's, it's the GOP, like the Republican Party. Oh. Yeah, we're big yeah, Republicans okay. over here. Um, sure, let's continue. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you think we'll talk about the film of the week? Yeah, I was... Uh, I, can, uh, I can almost guarantee I was thinking, it. considering we did an interview last week, maybe we should, you know, do a little... Do a little... What's the what's the synopsis of Suspiria? What's the production history? The box office, the budget, fun facts, one star reviews, that whole spiel. Let's do that for Suspiria, shall we not? Yeah, the whole structure of the show that we've been slow, we've slowly been establishing over the past sixty some episodes. Yeah, um, I believe it's my week to try to uh, describe the film in ten words. Yeah, you ready? Go, Dakota Johnson studies dance in germany uh everyone eventually turns no uh, take out eventually um everyone turns into witch very cool shall i read um, wait yeah the imdb yeah rendition well it says a darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company one that will engulf the artistic director an ambitious young dancer and a grieving psychotherapist some will succumb to the nightmare Others will finally wake up. Um, yeah, so this film uh, is a remake of the 1977 movie of the same name uh, by Dario Argento, which I watched a trailer for, and um, it looks fucking dope. It reminds me a lot aesthetically of Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, I read, while reading the negative reviews of this film, I read a lot of positive reviews about the first one. Or I guess a lot, a lot of loyal fans who are angry about the remake, which we'll get into. But uh, I will play a clip from the trailer here because it's. Here. But you cannot escape. Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. Well, I was I was just going to ask if you could tell me the oh. budget and box office. Sure. So this had a budget of $20 million and uh, had a U.S. box office of $2.5 million and a worldwide of $8 million. Um, so a what a hit! Lo- <laughs> yeah, it lost money. Um, I didn't hear about this movie when it came out. I was working at a movie theater at the time, and it never came through. Um, and we'd played Luca Guadagnino's "Call Me by Your Name" the year prior, and it was uh, fun fact one of the last films of the past five years that made Trent cry. One of it's on a short list. It was when he realized that Army Hammer. He's just so good looking and seems like such a good guy. Yeah, that I would let him eat me. While we're briefly on the topic um, of the director, as I'm sure many of you may have heard, there was briefly talk of a Call Me By Your Name 2, 
which has since been canceled, discontinued. Parth, for any why. particular reason. Can you think? Um, oh, they didn't know what to title it. This, does Timothy Chalamet have a problem with eating people, or is that someone else? Well, it's more so that he has a or problem getting it, eaten. Excuse me, threatening to eat people. Eating people is the root of the problem, but still talking about it is an awesome. Shall I do the production history, Trent? In 2007, Luca Guadagnino had convinced the original film's creators, Dario Argento and Daria Nicolodi, to allow him to make a remake of the film. He offered the project to David Gordon Green, which that ties into our opening. Yes, who was directing the film that Parth is about to go see. That version of the film ultimately fell apart, but in September 2015 at the 72nd Venice Film Festival, Luca announced plans to direct a remake of Suspiria. Quick side, the David Gordon Green version I read online was set to star Natalie Portman, which, uh, if you think thematically, would have been a lot like Black Swan. Yeah. Dance, Natalie Portman, need I say more? dark stuff the film was a co-production between the united states and italy with a screenplay written by american writer david kajganich who had previously written luca's last film a bigger splash david chose to set the film in berlin in 1977 the year the original film was released during the series of terrorist events known as the german autumn in on november 23rd 2015 Luca confirmed that Tilda Swinton and Dakota Johnson had been cast in the film and that shooting was scheduled to begin in August 2016 with a release date set for 2017. In October 2016, Chloe Grace Moretz was cast as Patricia Hengel. In March 2017, photographs of a seemingly old man spotted on the film set were published online and they identified the man as Tilda Swinton in heavy prosthetic makeup, which Guadagnino uh, then refuted calling it complete fake news, and he said that it was a German actor named Lutz Ebersdorf in his screen debut who plays a psychoanalyst named Joseph uh, Klemperer in the film. Lutz Ebersdorf sounds like the name of a fake German actor that you would make up to buy yourself some time. Yeah, people weren't really buying it, and in October 2018, Tilda Swinton told the New York Times that she was indeed playing Lutz Eberstorf. <laughs> just, just, just bear with me. <laughs> Parth is tired tonight, everyone. He got on the show and he said, Trent, you're going to need to bring the energy tonight. He said, I'll bring the Suspiria inside. The Grand Hotel Campo di Fiori served as the Marcos Academy in Ball Weinberg. Ew. The film's, hey, oh, friend of the show. The film's production designer commented saying, when we arrived in Italy, we went to scout for alternative places because this was logistically going to be almost a nightmare. The hotel had so much going for it. Principal photography, principal photography began at the hotel on October 31st, 2016. Hey, guys, come on. It's a Halloween podcast. The shoot lasted approximately two months, concluding in December 2016, and the remainder of principal photography was finished in early 2017. The film was shot on 35mm film stock, and in contrast to the original, the remake uses primary colors sparingly. Luca described the film's look as winterish, evil, and really dark. He used cinematographer Michael Ballhouse's work in the films of Rainer Fassbinder to, as reference points, as well as the work of modernist artist Balthus. Balthus? Michael Ballhouse is the cinematographer of a little film known as Goodfellas. 
And I believe he's been Martin Scorsese's collaborator ever since. Johnson and Goth were the only non-professional dancers, and all the other actresses on the on-screen dance scenes were professional professional dancers. Johnson trained extensively in the year leading up to the shoot to achieve the body type and technique of a dancer. Radiohead singer Tom York composed the score, making this his first feature film soundtrack. He cited inspiration from the 1982 soundtrack to Blade Runner by Vangelis. And Suspiria held its world premiere at the 75th Venice International Film Festival on September 1st, 2018. Yeah, so uh, so many tie-ins this week. I have to watch Blade Runner for class. Some fun facts. Um, At 2 hours and 32 minutes, this remake of Suspiria is nearly an hour longer than the original. Um, I would imagine most remakes of films, by and large, are shorter than the original. Although Dario Argento gave permission to produce this remake, he was dismissive of the film's final results in an interview with IndieWire from August 2016. Quote, either you do it exactly the same way, in which case it's not a remake, it's a copy, Mm -hmm. which is pointless, or you change things and make another movie, in that case, why call it Suspiria? Argento also said that what's really absurd is that he was never asked about anything concerning the remake. Nobody asked him about casting, locations, or anything else. Luca Guadino said that he's friends with Argento, who called him after he saw the film, and although he didn't want to relay Argento's reaction, he said it was a great call. And then Argento was quoted later, uh, negatively saying, It betrayed the spirit of the original film. There was no fear. There was no music. The film has not satisfied me so much. So I don't know how good that call with Luca could have been. Um, But I guess that's what you say when the original person uh, hates your adaptation. Um, Argento added that it was a quote refined film like Guadagnino who is a fine person Guadagnino makes beautiful tables beautiful curtains beautiful dishes all beautiful Um, in an interview with Elle magazine uh, actress Dakota Johnson revealed the intensity of the shoot had quote fucked her up so much that she had to go to therapy end quote Um, those fun facts were fun what's next well Trent thank you for asking I believe your segment of the show that you've added Sure. One star reviews. Yep, this is my baby, everyone. Um, you wanna... Shall I start off with the first one? Yep, uh, it's only two paragraphs long. Enjoy. This one's from MD two nine six five, and it says Argento should call his lawyer. Stupid me, waiting for this to come out, and when it did, I was going to wait for a rental, but I bought it instead. Waste of fifteen dollars. Yep. I'm a huge fan of the original, and it's my favorite Argento movie. I absolutely hated this. The school itself looked like a rundown psychiatric hospital, all grays and browns, no suspense, no scares, and I almost fell asleep twice. I'm not sure if it was because of Dakota Johnson or the dreadful soundtrack. And what's with all the political stuff? Hey. The last, the last fifteen to twenty minutes is ridiculous. All I can say is, WTF? Mother Marcus looked like a bad haunted house prop. People are calling it a reimagining or a tribute to Argento. It's neither of these things. And if it was titled something different, there would be no reason to watch it at all unless you picked it up in the DVD in the dollar store bin somewhere. If the original was a beautiful bouquet of rare flowers and you bleached all the color out of them because you could, in quotes, it would be this movie. A year from now, no one will remember it. But the original will still be worth watching over and over. The only good thing about this movie is Tilda Swinton, who is fantastic in anything she does. She gets the one star. I now own a movie I will never watch again, though possibly a good cure for insomnia. The one through line through all of the one-star reviews that I read today were they would all say terrible things, and then at the end, they would be like, but that Tilda Swinton is great. And I can't disagree with them. Another thing I will add, just for fun, 
is uh, because this film takes place in Germany. I would imagine that has something to do with it. But let me tell you, I had to tread through a lot of German reviews. And um, <laughs> from the looks of it, a lot of angry German reviews. And I believe it or not, I didn't understand a word of it. Um, on to review number two in uh, old-fashioned English. Um, this one is titled Boring, Needless Reimagining That Craps All Over the Original. Two and a half hours of absolute dreck. No scares, dull characters, no atmosphere. This movie fails spectacularly on all fronts, proving once again that Hollywood is fresh out of ideas. See, saying some... This is me, Trent, again. Saying that Hollywood is out, fresh out of ideas is a very original idea, so congrats. Um, it confirms that Dakota Johnson and Mia Goth cannot act whatsoever. It confirms the notion that some classics should just be left alone. The director of this film should be working at a fast food establishment. What a tremendous waste of time and money. Luca Guadagnino, um, you have to work at Popeye's Chicken now. Hate to be the bearer of bad news. Parth, numero tres. This one's from KB and says, visually interesting, horrible plot. I would consider myself a fan of art house films. I would consider myself a fan of horror movies. Surprisingly, I do not consider myself a fan of this film. The opening chapter intrigues its viewers with a seriously cool-looking retro vibe. Unfortunately, the rest of the film doesn't graduate beyond its visuals. There are several, there are several plots going on at once, many of which never seem to concretely relate to each other. There are several gore porn scenes modeled throughout, but the film failed to keep me sufficiently on edge or interested between them. It is a wonder I managed to get myself through the entire unnecessarily two and a half hour long movie. Parth and I were talking about long movies the other day, and anything over two and a half hours to some extent is quote pushing it, and I think this movie is pushing it. Ooh, we're jumping straight into what's not working. Oh, but first comes um, fan favorite section. What's working? If you want to give us a soft, a soft intro. Well, I'll start because I actually really like this movie. Uh, this seems to be a very controversial point, uh, apparently. But I think, and I'm someone that has seen the original Suspiria because I had to see it for a horror film class. Oh, you were so coy before. T- tell me, is it yeah. good? Yeah. Um, I understand why people like it. It's not really my thing. It's kind of just two hours of cool-looking visuals, like very intense colors and gels and whatever, but not that much in terms of a story that or that's super engaging personally. But um, it's I can understand why it has the reputation and impact that it does. That being said, I much prefer this movie. Oh, um, I think because. They they kind of have the same literal plot in that there is a new dancer that comes to a house that or a, a dance school that she finds out is being run by witches. Um, but it doesn't. But but I think that the remake takes all of those. Pl- the 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 original doesn't really do anything with those plot threads. It kind of just has a bunch of creepy shit. It's just a series of this girl going through. Um, a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, I, from what I read, it seems like the original dancing is just the backdrop and the art. There is one scene of dancing. Yes, this movie is like mostly about <laughs> dance. Yeah, and I can understand people disliking that. I think to get a little bit into what's not working, I think the movie is too long. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I do think that it could have been edited down a little bit. And I do think the one part of the movie that, that I just, I don't think you need is all of the stuff with the politics happening because while I understand they're trying to do that to ground it in a certain sense of time and, uh, to ground it in reality, I think you really just don't need it. I think everything is much more engaging. Everything that's happening within the dance studio is much more engaging. In a movie about, like, witches, and you already have, you know, the politics of the dance studio, there's enough going... Now bombs are going off all over Germany in this political revolution that I've never heard of. Structure-wise, one movie this reminds me a whole lot of? Please. Midsommar. I can see that. In the terms of woman... Uh, like enters a new environment that she knows nothing about and by the end is sort of the queen bee. What time is it? It's 9 p.m. What do you mean? What do you mean? That can't be right. The sky is blue. It's fine. It's Sweden. That's not fine. Why is it like that? It's okay, Mark. It's the midnight sun. That feels wrong. I don't like that. Promise you it's okay. I'm not okay. Oh, fuck. It's a new person. What? I don't want new people right now. No, new people are good, Mark. Hi, hi. I'm just gonna lay down, okay? Yeah, do that. Everybody else lay down. Guys, do it. It feels so nice. Josh, can you lie down, please? The thing is, I was kind of... I, when we got our guest for this movie, I had never actually seen the movie. I owned the Blu-ray for a while, but never actually watched it. I had a few friends. They'd seen it. A uh, friend of the show, but one person that's never been on the show is Claire, Claire Appel. And she'd seen it, and she really loves that movie. Um, so I was kind of looking forward to finally actually seeing it. Um, and... But but I it kind of had this aura of being like this crazy art film, and it kind of is. But it, I was struck by how like fast the editing pace was because I really didn't expect that. I think it, I think one of the most interesting thing about this movie, one of the most interesting things about this movie is the editing. I think it's really like quick, and from what we heard from Inbol Weinberg, um, there wasn't. Uh, Luca doesn't like to do a super huge amount of prep, which kind of amazes me that this movie works because this seems like it needed a shit ton of coverage um, mm. uh, just from the way that everything is shot. And yeah, and I mean, I, I guess the one other than the plot, the biggest change that this movie has from the original is its visual style and visual language. But I think... I appreciate that this movie tries to do its own thing because I kind of agree with Dario Argento in that if you do something similar, you might as well not have remade it. And if you do remake it, why? Why call it the same thing? I would disagree with this statement in that I think this works as a remake and that it's dealing with the same things. I think the only reason to do a remake is if there are ideas that you think maybe don't fully work or a reinterpretation of the same base concept. And I think that's what this movie does, and I think it does it pretty well. So uh, talking about the visual style, uh, we've mentioned 
the muted color palette, which, um, frankly, I kind of hate. Wow, it's, really? It, especially when I watched the trailer for the original, and it was so, like, vibrant and bright and neon. I was like, this is the fucking movie that I want. And it, it, this film just felt very gray. But still, credit to Luca Guadagnino, the only other movie I've seen is Call Me By Your Name. But like Dario Argento said, that like he can make a table or a curtain look beautiful. This movie is so much about production design and like costuming, and Luca is really good at making like materials look good. Yeah. And credit to Invil Weinberg. Yes. Oh, and one what I noticed, just referencing the episode from last week, the hairy walls. Yeah. Yes, Imbol told us that she spent uh, hours, hand and knee, making this hairy wall for the final like ceremony scene, and that no one noticed it until now. Yeah, because it wasn't actually lit or shot. It was not lit. It just looked like the wall was like organic matter. It's interesting that you don't. It's interesting that you don't like the color palette. I mean, maybe it's the color blindness in me. I don't. I don't mind the monochromatic kind of look to it part part that took it took like a year and a half for of us being friends for me to realize not to realize but to be enlightened to the fact that you were colorblind and it took 63 episodes for you to reveal on the show that you're colorblind i know guys i'm out i am colorblind yes it's like so embarrassing like sometimes there's something that's like red and parth thinks that it's like orange and it, ugh, it's like ridiculous Okay. And it's like All fun right. being that's like out it's like fun being out in public with him because you can like point at something that's like one color and he'll tell you that it's something like slightly different. No, that's really cool. Thanks for publicly embarrassing me like this. That's awesome. Uh, I'm sure you'll keep this all in the edit. Um but what I was really gonna say is uh I, I don't know. I, I think I, I, I appreciate it's a very fine line the visual sensibility i I think the way he moves the camera is super interesting there's there's lots of movement and uh zooms i love zooms in a movie you could i I eat them that's you that's Ah, you eating ah, zooms i'm the joker and i just love a good zoom in a film Mm -hmm. there are no zooms in the dark knight it's the one thing that could improve it Ah. are there is there not a single zoom in the dark knight Christopher Nolan does not use zooms. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. He just yeah. he just pushes in on the same lens. That yep. do- that dog. I know, but that's not what our boy Luca does. Our boy Luca, he goes crazy. He, he zooms. The he zooms left and right. He does, and I think it's interesting that. Everybody kind of points out Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Well, especially because she plays two roles and everyone loves to talk about when actors or actresses wear a lot of uh, cosmetics and are a different gender or a really fat guy or a historical figure. And this is one of those. I think she's a really good actress. I don't know. It kind of, That's one thing that I, I kind of, it kind of took me out a little bit. Maybe it's because I already knew that she was playing the old guy, so I kind of could see past the makeup and I could hear her voice a little bit. But I was kind of like, there's no point to this being played by the same person. Absolutely no point. I was waiting for a point in the movie where it took a narrative role of like, ah, because of witchy shit, this... It's the same person. It's the same person. And I thought that the old man was going to get ripped in half and it would be Tilda Swinton underneath. 
Yeah, I, I kind of thought the same thing as well because I knew that they were being played by the same person. I didn't know if there was a narrative purpose behind it or not. I didn't want to use the word gimmicky, but at, when the movie finished and there wasn't a, a good reason for Tilda Swinton to be both roles, I was like, hmm. It's <laughs> why, like if why split, did they do that? It's like if you cast James McAvoy in Split, but the movie, if like all the per- different personalities were just different people. They'd be like, well, what's the point of casting this one guy? You know what I mean? It, it just feels a little like haphazard. I mean, it just feels like, oh, isn't it feels like a thing you can say and be like, ah, isn't it crazy that Tilda Swinton played all these different people? Yeah. And it's like, I guess. I don't know. You could just put an old guy in there. There are really only a few main like set pieces. And I'll say that they're it's when the dancers are like their limbs are like flying all over the place. And then it's mm-hmm. like the dance in the red dresses. And then it's like the final ceremony thing, which all of which, to be frank, this whole movie, I was a certain level of confused and didn't know exactly how the Tilda Swin old man role tied into it. Um, but the twisting limbs reminded me a lot of, not to bring this up again, but M. Night Shyamalan's old. Oh, you haven't seen it! This is, what, like the third or fourth time that, that on pod you've been like, this reminds me, a, this, gives me this gives me strong old vibes, and, you, and then I've had to be like, Trent. <laughs> Trent. Yeah. Um, sorry about that. Uh, you go. That's okay. It's definitely a dense first viewing. Yeah. There's oh. a lot of like lore kind of in the movie about like the witches and how they operate. And it's not necessarily a hundred. It's a lot of it is done visually. A lot of it is not fully, you know, given through normal exposition. Oh, wait, sorry. One more relation to Midsommar, the like naked women circle scene. Also very similar. Yes. Yeah. But, but, but a lot like Midsommar, I think you get so much feeling through the, style it doesn't feel like to me a lot of the times when you have someone that's such a stylistic director it kind of feels like they're imposing that style on something that lacks a story and that that that, to me doesn't feel the case here it felt a little bit more the case with the original and i like i've said it before but i i prefer the remake to the original because i feel like it takes the ideas there's a lot of ideas that are sort of disconnected or disjointed and in the original and in the remake, they bring them all together and make it a part of one cohesive story. It's an hour longer. It, it better fucking, you know, over develop the the underdeveloped ideas from the original, you know, like what else yeah. is it spending its time doing? Yeah. And I think all the performances are really good. I think the soundtrack is really good. I think that first dance sequence where the who's the, the the first dancer that's like oh the, you guys are fucking crazy i'm and then they she leaves sure she goes into that mirror room i think that shit is awesome mm-hmm. i think that entire sequence i think a lot of the dancing sequences i think are so well choreographed they're really like aggressive and harsh but and intense very interesting to look at uh, you mentioned the editing which usually isn't something i pick up on but i noticed it during this film because you you know you think that it would be so overburdened with dance sequences but i like what they did and that they would have the dancers do like one move and then they would like cut to the next scene i don't know yeah. it was just uh it meant so much more than not starting the dance at all or watching a certain percentage of the dance yeah 
I think I think it's it's just such a bold editing. Like there's so many bold editing choices going on that you just don't see in movie in a, in that many filmmakers just choose not to do for one reason or another. And I think it just shows like a level of work put into everything I think that I appreciate. This, this movie took a big swing. Yeah, in terms of Hollywood, like it didn't work. Um, and yeah. I think part of that is because one, it is very slow moving and it's like back heavy action wise. And that when the action does eventually come, if you've stayed if you've stayed tuned, it's really intense. And a lot of people yes. specifically do not like body horror. And this is people no. being disemboweled. Yeah. I, I think that the end, <laughs> it is definitely not for the squeamish. Um, but I think it's all good. I mean, I think, I think it all works. No, I have to say once spooky shit started to happen, like during the, when it was just about dancing and about like, you know, German women, I, yeah. I was like wanting to not like this movie. And then, and I felt like I was doing it a chore. And then spooky shit started to happen. I was like, "They've got my attention. I'm in." Because I know the recipe of horror films is that it's only going to get spookier as time goes on. And the first spooky yeah. scene was a woman's like arms and legs going in every which direction. And I was like, "Let's go." Oh, so my small off-topic tangent. Well, I thought during this movie because it's like it's witches by definition, mm-hmm. but yeah. not. <clears throat> It's sort of in the way that they just have, like, sickles, and they, like, do, like, some ceremonies that aren't even... They don't specifically just seem, like, about, like, the demon. They just seem to be, like, general evil stuff. Um, And I thought, I like witches that, like, have, like, like, noses with, like, boils on them, and they have, like, big pointy hats and, like, cauldrons and stuff. Sort of in the same way that, like, I like vampires that, like, live in castles versus, like, the Twilight vampire who... Sure. It's just... And this is... Sparkles. And this is, like, a normal person who's also a witch, you know? Mm-hmm. But if any human being is a witch, it's Tilda Swinton. And... Yeah. Credit to... And her as a human, like, her as... If this movie wasn't about witches and it was just about her being, like, an abusive dance person, it's equally believable. Because watching her, like, march around the mirror room and, like, absolutely destroy cigarettes and manipulate women, I was all for it. She was in control. You sound, you sound less negative on this movie than when you started. I've gotten on a roll. I, I Interesting. Mean, we haven't even gotten to the what's not working section. Well, let's get into it, because I feel like I've kind of said what I have to say on the what's working section. I've definitely alluded to some... My criticism of my criticisms, um, but just to get the ball rolling, um, the in uh, watching this movie the first time around, the intro with Chloe Grace Moretz, an actress who I like, um, the I think the prelude or I guess the first chapter of this film. Also, I will briefly say I love movies with uh, inner titles, and this movie is broken into chapters. Don't necessarily see why, but I like the concept of it. Um, the first chapter with Chloe Grace Moretz could have been cut from the movie um, because essentially she's the girl who like runs away from the dance academy and she says, hey, some weird shit's going on. And you find out and, you know, you basically assume, okay, 
witches or yeah. some evil force. And you could have cut that out, just started with Dakota Johnson getting to the school, everything seems normal, and then, you know, you slowly go from there of things Fair. arising. To get into my what's not working, it's definitely, it's too long, I think. Yeah. I think you could easily cut out about a half an hour out of this. Again, a lot of the stuff with the riots and the pol- politics and all that stuff, it doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter enough to me for the amount of time that it takes in the movie. Um, and I, I agree that the stuff with Chloe Grace Moretz goes on a bit long. Uh, because essentially all it does is function as an introduction to w- w- her because she leaves and to the the investigating part of the movie. Oh, so because, is that is that where the old guy comes in? Yeah. That makes so, sense. So like that but I agree that it takes maybe a little bit too much time. I don't mind that so much because it's kind of just a little bit at the beginning, but I definitely think that there's just too much it's trying to cover too much ground. Yeah, and I I don't like the stuff with the Berlin Wall. Like I I get the significance it has on the movie. I just don't think that it ends up I don't think it amounts to enough for the amount of time that it takes basically. But that's really the only thing I have in way of like an issue. I I don't have any issues with the actual like the tone or the uh at you know the look and whatever. But I mean you've already alluded to the fact that you don't you're not super hot on the on the look. Uh okay, um I don't have anything particularly academic to say at this time. But during the final ceremony, do you know, like, the old naked woman with, like, the glasses? Yeah. Okay. Have you seen The Nightmare Before Christmas? Nope. Okay. For anyone who has, wait, um, I'll send you a picture of this later, but the, the, there's a character. This is going to sound ridiculous since you haven't seen the film. Um, but there's, there's a character named Sally, and she's, like, a zombie, and she has a captor who's like this monster guy in a wheelchair and he wears glasses and let me tell you he looks exactly like that monster woman and the monster woman also remind me a lot of the naked monster woman from the shining whose body is degrading at a similar at a similar rate Well, with that said, I think, it, Trent, do you think it's time? I think we've said everything we needed to say. Yeah, yeah. well, this will be a nice, efficient episode. You're, uh, I, w- I would hate for you to miss the trailers, and uh, I, uh, I need you to get your peanut M&Ms in a timely fashion. Ah, uh, you know me too well. Uh-huh. Wait, would you like to enter the ratings gauntlet with me? Here we go. Girl with the atomic bomb sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Alright, is it going? Is it happening? Yeah, no, the atomic bomb has been dropped. Ooh, wait, there's the fallout. Okay. The radiation just hit me. Ow. Alright, how about... How about I go first? Please. I think this movie is not super rewatchable. No, it's I think not. it's probably... It's- it suffers from the Schindler's List effect. Too many unpleasant things occur, and it's also 
like, not hugely about, like, the shock value, but there definitely is a shock value that comes with watching a movie like this for the first time. And I must say, while very engaged and excited to see what happened next, now that I know. I I think it's a movie that increases, becomes better upon rewatch. But because of how dense it is, I'm sure it, it, the the more times you watch it, the more you can take in. I just don't think I'm going to be able to do it. It's just a lot. Yeah. That being said, I would recommend it. I think it's an interesting time. You may not like it, but I think it's def- It's just not like most other movies. So I think that in and of itself is a selling point. Um, and I, I just think it's fucking dope. I think it's really cool. As yeah. for a rating, I would give it like a 7.7. Cool. I, I, wow. I'd, I'd give it like an. I'd give it like a more towards an eight if it was a little bit shorter. But I think it's, it's it's very cool. Have we ever done a rating that ended in a something that wasn't a point five or a whole number? I don't think so. Making history. That's what so, we do. I will say this movie. Uh, it's not super rewatchable. Um, would I recommend it to a friend? Like, not no, but not yes, particularly. Um, Mm. I'm happy that movies like this exist because it has balls and it takes risks. And sometimes those risks don't work out and you lose $12 million. But that's life. Don't forget the the marketing budget, Trent. Ooh. So probably lost more than 12 mil. Um, But I feel like if I like dance, like I would much more. I would like Imbol Weinberg said, like, oh, a big part she took this movie is she's like, I like, I like this time period and I like dance. So if you're Imbol Weinberg, I'm sure you're fucking balling out in the same way that like I like movies about baseball just because I like baseball. Um, if you like dance, yeah, you should watch this in the same. But you should also watch Black Swan, which is a lot like this movie, but in my opinion, maybe a little bit better. Uh, maybe we'll cover it on the show. One day. Um, my rating, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a solid six. Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess, does that conclude our Suspiria discussion? Uh, that concludes the Suspiria portion of the Suspiria discussion, but now that we've reached a natural conclusion, what's next? Well, Trent, next week we talk with cinematographer aaron morton about his work on evil dead 2013 the remake of the original yeah we we are we another are, remake we are really getting to know uh horror remakes of the past 10 years yeah part uh, I, I i recently added uh like to the viewers at home you may now realize that the discussion titles now include the year of the release and let me tell you like more than half of the films we've done have either been released in 2020 which isn't a coincidence or strangely enough 2014 which we've covered to no end interesting completely 2014 was a good year completely accidentally we have a an insane amount of 2014 films all right well you can join us for an interview with aaron next week yeah for um for the beginning of the end of halloween month yeah uh, I hope you guys join us for that. Follow us on all of our social media. We have Instagram and we have Twitter. Go follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a good review if you can. Yep. Shall we close out? Yep. Everyone say enjoy your movie, Parth. Oh, Parth, remember? Parth worked at a movie theater too. Well, wouldn't it be funny when you would say 
enjoy the show, and people would say, yeah, you too. Yeah. Parth, in- Parth enjoy the show. Thanks. And I ha- I just have one thing to say, but uh, just before we close out. Sure. In my Joker voice, if that's okay. Please. Ah, ah, ah fuck Team Deacons. Ah. Ah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. No. No, you. You complete me. Mm-hmm.